Little House on the Scary, episode episode five. You know, I thought it was episode four, but it's actually episode five. Time flies. Math is hard. We're more than a month old. Yeah, and you guys made both of those jokes the last episode. We have a special guest today, listeners and fellow co-hosts. Oh, let's do introductions first. Nigel, a.k.a. the Peruvian Nightmare, and my co-host is... Cheyennegans tonight, sometimes crying, but as always, Mrs. Peruvian, Peruvian Nightmare. <laughs> and my other co-host. Scary Anna. Scary Anna, bringing it back. And we have a special guest tonight coming all the way from Braden, Tucky Way. Mr. Matt Burke. Hey, Matt. Hey, buddy. Thanks for you? having me on. I'm excited to be here. I'm good. Good, good. Yeah, happy to have you on the podcast. You're you're brave, Matt. <laughs> no, I'm excited. I'm excited. I've I've listened to all the episodes and I'm stoked. We're kind of lawless here, you know. Yeah, like Lucy That's lawless. That's how I roll. That's how I roll too. Well, Matt, will you introduce yourself? Um, what would be your little house on the scary name? So, okay, so for this one, since you know the movie that we're going to be talking about, I'm going to do. Uh, Matt of the Dead. Nice. Oh, I nice. It. I like it. I like it. It's classic. It's got like a classic ring to it, but it's also, you know, like your name is Matt. It's, so it's a little bit more modern. Come Matt, up with so some names Matt of the Dead. Yeah, Mariana come, actually came up with a couple of names if you hadn't yeah. didn't have one ready. Oh, well, I'd like to hear them. Yeah. So they might be better. They might be better than mine. Oh, man. <laughs> some people will have to look nice. that up in the dictionary. <laughs> or Maddie Mayhem. Oh, I like that. That, that would name. be my like roller derby name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> exactly. I think you have a talent at coming up with these names. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah maybe maybe this is your niche during COVID. Page. Yeah. You should get an Etsy page. Your COVID Etsy niche. Page, yeah. Maybe you yeah. should have an Etsy page. 20 bucks. And I'll a <laughs> you can carve it onto roller a roller derby name. Get a Sharpie, get yeah. some rocks, write that shit on a rock. I'm writing this down, <laughs> Nigel. So Matt, uh, Matt Burke, who's been an, uh, a friend of mine for many, many years, um, we met long time ago, and Matt is a musician, and he's the leader of a band called Have Gun Will Travel out of Bradenton. They're amazing. Um, we've been following them since their first inception into the music world when it was just Matt, and um, mm-hmm. but now you guys just came out with a new album, right? Mm-hmm. What is the new album? Yeah, we're gonna plug you a little so- bit. Yeah, no. So it's the the newest thing is uh, a it's something I've wanted to do for a long time, but it's a uh, it's a collection of a bunch of the home demo recordings of songs that have gone on to to be on the fully produced, you know, Have Gun Will Travel studio albums. These were my original like home demos that I recorded at home. It's super lo-fi. It's just a it's a collection of a bunch of those songs. And it's like I said, I mean, it's something that I've wanted to do for a long time. Now that we've kind of had, you know, this time here, this kind of, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, quarantining uh, situation, like 
we've had some kind of time to do some some projects and stuff that we probably wouldn't have otherwise gotten around to. So it's kind of cool. It's kind, I'm kind of, it's kind of like, um, I'm a little nervous about it because it's like, it's kind of letting people into private space. You know, yeah. The really kind of like early and, and rough kind of, uh, versions of these songs, like when they're kind of, you know, first, mm. uh, first written and stuff like that. So like but I'm excited. And I, uh, yeah, it is. I mean, it is kind of like that. Well, I have to say, um, and I mean this with all compliments, uh, Mystery of Mine is probably one of my favorite Have Gun, Will Travel songs of all time. I love it. I love it. I love it. And the, the studio version is amazing. The uh, the version on the album is amazing. But this version on this album is like, I, I swear, like as good, if not better than the one on the... Oh, man. It's That's just really good, dude. man. And And how you change the phrasings up for the one that was on... I don't know if that's the right word, but um, how you yeah, sing is a little right, different. Kind of like yeah. the cadence of it and stuff. Yeah. 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 So yeah. anyways, excellent. Well, cool. I'm glad to hear that. Thanks, man. Excellent. So listeners, we'll give them another plug at the end, but check out Have word. Gun Will Travel and their new album. Um, what's the new, what is it called again? It's called uh, Raw Materials Home Demo. Oh, what a what a clever name! Clever, very clever. <laughs> it's descriptive. <laughs> very descriptive. It's what it well, is. I wanted to make sure to like, kind of put what it is into the title, so that people don't think this is a brand new studio record that we're putting right. out, and you know, it's all new material or anything like that. So I just, in the you know, for the sake of kind of like not, uh, kind of having anybody mistaking what it is i wanted to put you know i wanted to put what it is the description of it right there in the title b-town's good b-town everything you're holding down the fort there braden tuck i mean you know bradenton is bradenton and bradentonians will be bradentonians so it's not the best place in the world to be under the circumstances but you yeah. know my people are being you know safe and responsible and that's yeah. about all we can really hope for you know yeah no i mean yeah we we live in a school next to a school with almost sixty thousand irresponsible fucking morons oh yeah i'm sure i'm sure it's just insane (laughs) all right so one more music question and we're getting to listeners we're getting to the movie thing right it's a movie (laughs) podcast you do a lot of storytelling in your music and so you know, obviously, as a, a big movie fan, I'm sure one maybe feeds the other sometimes. I've, I've sort of picked up sure. hints at kind of thematic ideas in your music that I've seen possibly yeah, in films. Absolutely. But when you're writing music, and I guess it's the same for making movies, the listener or the viewer pay a role in completing that piece of art, right? Like, For sure. And so I wonder, like, do you kind of look at yourself when you're writing music as sort of a like you're a screenwriter and a set designer like you have to create everything like you have to create what the listener kind of puts in their mind right absolutely well to answer your question it's different for for different types of songs like some songs are super narrative you know like total straight up kind of fictional narrative storytelling kind of a song and in that in that case yes i do like to kind of like envision it and try to be as descriptive as possible and kind of like paint a picture for the listener yeah in the uh, in other types of songs which sometimes can be a little more abstract or a little more kind of personal uh experience you know those songs it's okay to be a little bit cryptic and not really be you know 
not necessarily kind of like paint the detailed picture that some of the narrative type songs do. So it kind of depends on on the type of song that it is. Yeah, yeah, totally, definitely. Yeah, and then you even see that from album to album, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, some you know, some records are just thematically more narrative, and yeah. they require a little bit more of that kind of like painting, painting a picture. Ladies, are we ready to talk about this movie? We are ready. All right, Matthew, are we ready to talk about this movie? Absolutely. All right. So our focus for the night is on dawn of the dead from 1978 now matt this was your choice when we invited you on uh let me read a synopsis really quick following an ever-growing epidemic of zombies that have risen from the dead two philadelphia swat team members a traffic reporter and his television executive girlfriend seek refuge in a secluded shopping mall that's um I guess that's what happens. That's it. <laughs> that's kind of, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a, a loose, you know, kind of a general synopsis. That's IMDb, yeah. There's a lot more shit that happens besides that, but that is like <laughs> the general bullet points. In 1968, George Romero brought us Night of the Living Dead. It became the classic horror film of its time. Not that room, not that room! <laughs> Now, George Romero brings us the most intensely shocking motion picture experience for all times. It gets up and kills. The people it kills get up and kill. This situation must be controlled before it's too late. They are multiplying too rapidly. Dawn of the Dead. Meet me on the roof at 9 o'clock. Get out. I don't believe it. We're going to get out in the chopper. We've got to survive. Somebody's got to survive. They kill for one reason. They kill for food. They eat their victims. Imagine, if you will, that something has gone terribly wrong. Shoot it, man. Now, accept the fact that there's no escaping the horrible consequences. George Romero brings back the dead. Night of the Living Dead has ended. Dawn of the Dead is here. We must not be lulled by the concept that these are our family members or our friends. They are not. They will not respond to such emotions. Operator dead. Post abandoned. You may never get out of the room. It's everywhere. What the hell is it? Looks like a shopping center. One of those big indoor malls. What are they doing? Why do they come here? Some kind of instinct, memory, what they used to do. This was an important place in their life. We've got a war. I'm afraid. We have spawned our own savagery. Soon it will consume us all. It is a horrible, hauntingly accurate vision of the mindless excesses of a society gone mad. When there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. We are down to the line, folks. We are down to the line. Dawn of the dead. 
Um, yeah, written yeah. and directed by George A. Romero. Uh, it was the second film in his Night of the Living Dead series. I mean, this is quoting from IMDb, an international co-production between United States and Italy. It was written by Romero in collaboration with Italian filmmaker Dario Argento, the famed Italian filmmaker of Italian horror films like Suspiria, Demons, Demons 2, yeah. 1985 and 86 respectively. Argento, if listeners, you haven't seen any Argento films, like watch them. They're crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, full of Italian, yeah, full of Italian boobs. Um, or like people, yeah, all kinds of boobs. Um, he was he was kind <laughs> of notorious. He was notorious for actors letting actors, even if they spoke different languages, to just speak whatever languages they wanted to speak, um, be because everything was going to be dubbed anyway. <laughs> like, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why when you yeah. see him, even the English, even English is dubbed, <laughs> like dubbed over overdubbed. Yeah, <laughs> right. So. Um, yeah, well, yeah. I saw Demons not too long ago. I haven't seen Demons 2, but Demons is pretty rad. Demons is super um, rad. Demons 2 is um, freaking bonkers. Like, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen that. Bonkers. Me neither. Totally bonkers. Totally bonkers. When is it my turn to Okay, so, well, to answer your, to answer your question, uh, why I picked this one, it's I'm a huge Romero fan in general, and I think this is probably this is this might be my favorite movie of his um i love the original night of the living dead uh but this one there's just so much it's there's just such there's a lot of fun to it it's you know it's colorful it's like and it's set in a mall which you mm -hmm. know i like not that i'm a you know are you a mall rat, Matt? I, well, I mean, I was, I guess. You I mean, were, you yeah. Want, kind of, you, know, if you, you know, back in the day, I mean, I don't think anybody is now, but, you know, back in the 80s, like the mall in our town, DeSoto Square Mall was like awesome. I mean, it was, you know, like there's a movie theater there. There's a record store there. There's a, you know, bookstore. There's a video game arcade. You know what I mean? It's like all the fun stuff that I was into when I was a kid or a teenager or whatever was like all there in one place. So I've always... I've always liked the mall as a setting for a movie. Mm. And so this kind of like this particular movie and I love Romero and I love zombie movies. So this kind of married all of those things together for me. And that's, that's why I picked this one. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great point. I, I mean, my life was at the mall. Um, and mostly because I don't know if it was, I was necessarily like a mall rat, but my sister was. And so uh -huh. I had to go with my sister, your older, sister, my older yeah. sister. And so mm -hmm. I, I was like, a, um, like a, the sidekick of a <laughs> mall rat, <laughs> but she would make me like walk, like, you know, 50 paces behind her and like, you know, <laughs> you guys, you too, if you got turned into zombies, you'd end up back at the mall, like those other zombies just. Yeah, I, I probably would. I probably yeah. would. Yeah. Shyanigans, where would you end up if you were a zombie? Oh, I was going to say the, the cheese store. store. Oh, the fabric store, <laughs> the too. Store. I don't know. I don't even know of a cheese store, but that's the first thing that came to mind, so that must be oh, where I I'm destined. Joanne's fabrics. Ew, yeah. no, no. No, some indie place. God, oh, not yeah, Joanne's. Indie. 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 You're a zombie. It's probably like... lots of good eating there, though. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, like sizable eating specimens. It wouldn't be the mall. <laughs> No, it wouldn't be the mall. I never no. grew up with the mall. Um, in fact, the mall was like a weekend outing that you planned 
with like a trip it was a trip and you got like dressed up and you figured out whose parent was going to drive you the two hours to get to the mall oh wow like after you got your christmas money so yeah it was like a destination day trip and you go you get your hair did you you walk the walk you get your food court stuff you buy your swag and different experience and you're home by bedtime like it was a day trip yeah wow interesting yeah yeah, that's a different uh, different experience altogether. And then they built Walmart. <laughs> now it's right. like, yeah. now they do the same thing, literally in Cheyenne's They'd town. Be good eating at Walmart. Oh. Yeah. yeah, yes, they would be good eating at Walmart. <laughs> I think there's like lots of zombie movies that actually take place in in big box stores. Big box stores. Yeah. yeah. What's interesting though that's true now but especially with the pandemic we're seeing a lot of malls closing mm-hmm. um and even the mall here which seems like it's it's yeah. doing all right but part of the shans hospital has yeah. taken over part of it and then yeah, there's weird there's really this weird. annual carnival that takes over the parking lot every yeah. year so like there's kind of a demise of the mall itself just across um, yeah across the country yeah it's weird it's weird to tr- to go to the you know the mall that i that i grew up going to it's kind of a ghost town mm-hmm. you know at this point there's really only a few stores left in there and it's kind of every you know all the stores have like release kind of signs on them and stuff like that and so it's kind of it's kind of weird and kind of sad and you know you can go online and look at like abandoned malls there's some really weird creepy kind of almost haunted looking kind of photographs of like malls that have been abandoned and stuff for a long time. Wow. Um, that's pretty, that's pretty wild. You could check that out. It's pretty cool. You know, in reference to the film, like Romero sets it's 1978. It seems like it's, you know, that's when it's supposed to be happening. Um, yeah. Although it's supposed to be a sequel to the first one, but still it's an interesting juxtaposition because of what malls are now in that there's a certain horror movie quality to them yeah. as they are now as sort of abandoned ghost towns where yeah, like yeah, somebody totally. could easily be locked in there, you know, or yeah, for sure. For sure. As opposed to what we're, Romero was doing in this film, which was like at the height of malls. Well, that you know? was the Monroeville mall where they filmed that. I believe was one of the very first uh, indoor shopping malls. Oh, really? And yeah, so that wasn't, that was new at the time. The concept of shopping malls, like inside, I mean, there were shopping centers and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. but the concept of like an indoor shopping mall was fairly new at the time. So like when, when they're, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll probably get into this a little bit later, but like when they're first coming up on the mall in the helicopter, one of the, characters is like what is that and somebody Mm -hmm. else is like well that's one of those new indoor shopping malls you know what i mean right it was kind of a new thing at the time and then it became huge in the 80s you know what i mean Mm. and you know that was um that's interesting because in the what is it the 2007 2004 2004 version malls are well established and so they don't mention that and so i think i overlooked that in the original on this last viewing but so i had never seen this movie um, I wasn't really a big Romero fan until I met the Peruvian Nightmare. The Peruvian Nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> my eyes to the the beauty of Italian horror. And <laughs> George but, Romero. But not even Italian. <laughs> like 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 fake. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to laugh laugh to your intro there. <laughs> no. So I, I I enjoyed the movie. Like 
Matt, you mentioned earlier that you, what part of what you enjoyed it was about it was that it was so fun and colorful. And I think that's mm -hmm. exactly it's very like comic book type. Yes. Like the yes. blood is this bright fluorescent red blood and the special effects yeah. are just so over the top. And Practical yeah, effects, yeah. Ariana. Oh, yeah. Sorry practical effects yeah they, they, it just looked like they had a lot of fun making mm -hmm. this movie i read that they filmed in this mall because it was a brand new mall that they filmed after closing so they filmed from like 11 p.m to 6 a.m <laughs> oh um, and this, this was a working mall like those stores open people were shopping in them during the day and then they were filming this zombie movie at night trashing so, the place yeah. Yeah, you get yeah. a sense though that they were like you know they were working on the fly that they yeah. were like okay we, we got it yeah know, it's almost 6 a.m we got to finish this up what's next how do we do this how do we get this shot yeah. like and i I, I enjoyed that um but what shocked me is i was reading a little bit about the movie and the fact that this movie when it came out like they were going to rate it x which at the yeah. time only like <laughs> hardcore porn movies were rated x mm -hmm. and and romero did not want it rated x because that mm -hmm. would totally ruin, ruin it, yeah. so he he had it released unrated right yeah and, and, but you know it's still there was still the warning ahead of time and because of the level of violence and like it shocked me like i i found the violence comic like yeah. our sensibilities our our view of violence has changed in mm. 42 years so dramatically mm. like especially when you look at the 2004 movie the 2004 movie was way more violent like way yeah. more violent. yeah yeah and much more realistic violence yeah, yeah right and so god it right. just it just surprised me, like how much our sensibilities have. I don't know if evolved is the word. We've gotten desensitized, maybe, to that kind that level. Yeah, Video games. I think desensitized. Yeah. Yeah, that level desensitized. of violence. No, I was just going to say that to just to what you were just saying. They definitely were filming at night, and it was they were you know they were the mall was functioning at the time, and they had they would they this went on for like four months of the filming of this <laughs> oh of this, of this movie where they would go in at night when the mall closed and they were basically given like free reign, like the dude who gave, who just would leave them with the keys would just be like, all right, just make sure everything's cleaned up, you know, before 9am when they opened up or whatever. And so they literally went in every night for like four months and destroyed the place and then cleaned it up before, before it opened up because it was a functioning mall. That's crazy. It is so crazy. I mean, what was their budget? Does anybody, did anybody happen to write down their budget? Like yeah, a, they, they uh, budget as 1.5 million, but it was actually more like 500,000. Oh, really? Because so much of it was post like delayed, deferred oh, I see. money. And so the actual practical budget, like that they were spending money on during shooting was like five hundred thousand dollars <laughs> i read yeah. that this was the most that this has to this day is the most successful romero movie financially oh yeah because that budget was so low well i read that they yeah. didn't pay the extras the zombie extras in right real money but they paid them in extra food Bitcoin. and like a dawn of the dead t-shirt <laughs> Awesome. I would have done it. I would have done it. I totally oh my god, I would do it for free. It looks yeah, like yeah. they had so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like they had a blast. I, I mean, and the thing is, is like with Romero, he seemed like such a cool guy. And I wish I could have kind of like, you know, just known him and kind of like worked with him in some capacity or whatever, because he was so like collaborative and, mm. uh, all the people, all the actors and stuff were allowed to kind of bring to their character what they what their ideas were. 
and all the extras were given free reign as far as like, you know, how your zombie is going to be like physically, like what you're going to do, what your physicality is going to be like. So everybody was kind of given their own, like, do what you're do, whatever you do, but stay consistent to that. He just seems like he was such a kind of fun dude and such mm-hmm. a like, you know, really collaborative guy to, to, to work for and to work with that. Uh, it seems like, it, you know, it would have been a really fun uh, shoot to be on. Yeah. And that's a really interesting segue into what I was going to talk about, because it was a really fun movie. But and I would have I would argue that um, Night of the Living Dead was not did not have that fun, you know, and there there are parts of Night of the Living Dead that like it's it's a scary fucking movie. Like there's a there's a couple of scenes that you're there, like tension filled movie. You know, it's not. It's not hereditary, you know, it, it, but you're like, oh, my God. But this. Yeah, yeah, this. Yeah, this movie didn't have that. But it's really interesting because it had that it had such a a fun kind of atmosphere. And until you start paying attention to what the characters are actually doing and looking at which kind of speaks to Romero's brilliance is until you start looking at really closely on what, how the scenes are set up. um, Then you think it's just this fun, happy go lucky zombie movie, but it, it, you know, just like night of the living dead, dawn of the dead had a very big, like social commentary. Yeah, for sure. Facet. It was like very much looking at society from uh, a critical lens. Um, Whereas like, Night of the Living Dead obviously was a race thing and that and it, yeah. even though Romero said he didn't he didn't intend for that like he's like oh I had I didn't mean to put any just, of that in there I was like what are you talking right, about Right right Yeah yeah for sure for sure <laughs> But this this movie you can tell he was making pretty significant not only superficially I think you could say it was about consumerism and how the zombies sure. were Americans just buying shit and like totally yeah. even even to the point which is kind of like not zombie lore anymore of the zombies trying on clothes and like you know yeah yeah but if you notice in those scenes all the zombies in the mall are if you look at the clothes that they're wearing they're all middle class people and so that was done very intentionally to speak to uh you know economic disparities that were happening during the 1970s and then when you kind of juxtapose that again with the one of the early scenes of the when the SWAT team is raiding the public housing yeah, um, yeah. like that's insane and for the first two or three minutes of the that public housing scene you don't even see a zombie but what you see is the SWAT team pulling up running out into the building it's total chaos they're shooting like yeah. you know tear gas everywhere kicking down doors shooting people <clears throat> Um, yeah. beating people up, abusing yeah, people. Yeah. And so and there's the one, the one like really crazy, like racist SWAT team guy who's just yeah. like, you know, who's like, you know, talking about all the, you know, these, these different like races and minorities and stuff like that. And, uh, he's the one who kind of like, when they all, when they all bust into the building, he kind of goes on a rampage, Yeah, and, you know, and the, the main like character- that was clearly some, you know, clearly commentary from Romero on, yeah. you know, the and times the and main on, character you know, who's African-American is the one who ends up shooting that guy. No, is it he, him or is it the, is it the guy, Roger, the other, the other guy? Oh, I thought, I thought I it was that, Peter. I it, thought Peter ends up shooting. It is crazy. Peter. Roger gets knocked over. Roger tries to tackle him. 
Roger tries to tackle him and then like he throws him down the crazy guy throws him down the stairs. That's I just right. watched yeah, the yeah, scene. That's, that's why I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good memory. Yeah, you're right. You know, there's a lot of other things. And so I read this article called Another One for the Fire, George A. Romero on Race by James Rushing Daniel. Came out in 2017. He writes, like Romero's previous films, Dawn of the Dead, also explores themes of racial alienation in its depiction of the lone African-American Peter. Um, and so they go on to list some examples. But one example about in reference to that was when Peter's playing the waiter. Remember, they're like, it's in a montage scene, that was weird. which I yeah. have to say, and this is not, you know, Nightmare's famous tangent. Tangent, yes. <laughs> Romero never met an editor, apparently. Like this movie could have easily been 20 minutes fucking shorter. But anyway, anyway, for sure, for sure. Anyways, Peter is playing the waiter for that intimate dinner, which a waiter, he's a, he's servile to the white people in the scene. And so that, I think I think that really speaks to Romero's brilliance. I think he was doing that intentionally. And then later when Francine and uh, what's his face? Steve. Steve are having like an intimate moment. Peter is playing racquetball by himself. So it's like this alienation. Yeah. It's this complete separation. For Peter's sure. racial isolation is additionally accentuated by the film's depiction of the white militancy, a rural white militia swilling Iron City beer and gleefully gunning down zombies appears at the beginning of the film, while the third act is propelled by the frontal assault of the armed biker gang. Despite that neither the militia nor the gang exhibit hate symbols, the film nevertheless seems to imply that zomb the zombie apocalypse has liberated previous restrained expressions of white power. Like hashtag 2020, yeah. right? And like, it's <laughs> yeah. Fucking, <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, these people that have been embarrassed about their thoughts and keeping on the DL. Now they feel they like feel, they can be open about exactly. it. Exactly. It's a sign of strength. Like empowered, yeah. Yeah, yeah. in fact, the, the biker gang is shown hungrily ripping the pearls from the neck of an African-American zombie in a head wrap. Yeah, um, that scene, like, really disturbed me. Like, I remember yelling at the TV, like, what are they even doing? Like, this is totally yeah. unnecessary. Yeah, well, right, and right. then... There's a distinct and there's also a really distinct focus on a moment when the bikers are kind of rampaging in the mall and they rip down and drive over like a novelty Native American teepee. And that's like there's like three scenes with this Native American teepee. Like Romero was very much trying to get us to notice this teepee. And as <laughs> yeah. a, like somebody that studies Indians, I, I noticed that. I don't know if you guys did. You probably because yeah, I yeah, pointed, for sure. pointed it out. But then the, there's the scene where the bikers are like ripping it down so mm -hmm. really quick this quote quote romero's film seemed to support the assertion that american society whether overthrown by zombies or maniacs was always driven by racism violence oppression and rote or habitual consumerism in his work, the surge of these elements following a social breakdown illustrates that they were always permitted and never really resisted by mainstream society. I just thought that was kind of profound. And then there was this other article that talks more about the housing project scene. Um, and it was it was actually a master's thesis called One Generation Consuming the Next, The Racial Critique of Consumerism in George Romero's Zombie Films by Henry Powell. So if you're interested in this kind of like from a academic perspective, there's lots of writing about this movie, um, which yeah, is yeah. really interesting. And so, same with Night of the Living Dead. I mean, there's books written on Night of the Living Dead, you know, um, what yeah, he's for talking sure. about there.
And to kind of like speak to your uh, point about the kind of underlying, like kind of brilliance of Romero in some of these movies, like, you know, like what you were saying, you kind of overlook it on first watch, you know, because you're so kind of like dazzled by just all the, you know, the gore and the, you know, the, you know, the kind of like excitement of it or whatever, but like just in kind of rewatching it as many times as I have, there's like, there's such a kind of important kind of like structure to it, even with the opening scene of like, you know, the TV station mm-hmm. uh, where it's chaos. And like this TV station is, is they're interviewing this, this doctor. Uh, and it's kind of like the perfect setup for the movie because he's laying out the rules. He's kind of like explaining what's going on and what these zombies are doing and what, what, you know, what, what, uh, like how they, behave and and all that stuff so he's really he's telling you exactly like what the what the premises is and what the what the rules of these zombies in his universe in his zombie universe that he's creating with night of the living dead and with dawn of the dead you he's know setting he's setting you up yeah he's setting the whole thing up and it's just in a really in a really smart way because you're just seeing it as this doctor kind of ranting or whatever but like He's really setting up the whole premise, you know. And one of these authors actually speak to that scene because the doctor is white and he's speaking to that. We have to follow what the government says. We need to like no matter how much food you have stockpiled, you have to leave your house and go to these shelters. And then the TV commentator, the reporter is an African-American man, and he's very much like skeptical. He's like, I don't I don't want to do anything like I'm not I want anything to do with this, you know. And if yeah. you kind of tie that into what like the really closely following scene after the chaos in the TV studio, one of the following scenes is that the public housing scene. So there's yeah. like the black reporter who's in this kind of position of power in some way, right? He's a reporter on a television show and he he's being really skeptical. And then, it you know, you see the scenes of the SWAT team running into the public housing projects like if. Yeah. If he if I don't know if Romero said anything about like, oh, I didn't intend for any of that shit. Like, you know, like, you know, like he did on his yeah. first film. But like, right, right. I mean, if he didn't, I guess that sort of says how much more brilliant he is because it's all like subconscious or whatever. But Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It has to have been on purpose, though. Because, yeah. I mean, he set he set a scene in a housing project where by, you know economic forces create a situation where minorities are going to live in that housing but it wasn't just about like um, economic minorities it was also about cultural like those people the reason they were being raided is because they wouldn't give up their dead they were keeping them in the basement right right oh that's right right remember yeah right right and there was a priest there that was giving them the last rites and like they were they were honoring and valuing their dead even though their dead had re-risen and wanted to eat them they didn't want to destroy them like that's what the doctor was saying on that news program that you have to destroy the people who rise again and in this right complex they didn't want to do that they honored their dead in a different way culturally and i just remember that scene where one of the zombies escaped and the a woman came out she was african-american the zombie was african-american and she went to embrace him yeah yeah that was the the famous scene yeah and she you know he he like bit her but she didn't like yeah like she i think she knew what he was but she loved him and she went to embrace him and it just like showed this like level of humanity 
that, you know, right. what was interesting. And all throughout the movie, when the doctors talk, they talk about othering the zombies. They say mm. they might seem like us, but they're not like us. We have to destroy right. them. Just convincing the people, yeah. Right, this sense of othering. So you're right. If Romero did not intend this to be like a racial immigrant, like, you know, discussion, I, I, he's brilliant because yeah. that's exactly <laughs> what it turns into. Like, yeah. I don't know yeah. how you accidentally yeah. stumble into this really deep vein of like, you know, this right. thought of like the othering of someone who's different. I mean, yeah, the zombies want to eat you and they want to kill you. But the way that the language was used to other them, to say they might seem like our relatives, mm -hmm. our friends, our husbands and wives, but they're not. And we have to destroy that. And it's also interesting. And I'm sorry, Shyanigans, um, we're kind of monopolizing this. But um, it's really interesting to that is that Romero's using African Americans as that example of people that have closer family connections that, you know, and that's that's telling on its own. But I can't as I'm sitting here, like I can't think about like how like help to think about how relevant it is to like what's going on now. I mean, not only with the rise of like white supremacist groups thinking that what they're saying is okay, but yeah. also also like the the raid of the housing projects and like Breonna Taylor, like that's totally like yeah yeah <laughs> that shit yeah. fucking happens, you know. Right. So how right, real right. is that? There's just no zombies. Well, and the fact right. that it's COVID totally relevant affects and COVID minorities. <laughs> oh, and the right? and pandemic. marginalized people yeah. more dramatically. Yeah. They're more likely to live in multi generational houses. That's a good pick you got, Matt. Yeah, You're so Ooh, smart. Hey, though. thanks, buddy. <laughs> Cheyenne again. What do you got for us? Uh, you want to do recipe corner now? Let's do recipe corner. Go, girls. Oh no, that was Mariana's song. Which was oh. the song? We're going yeah, around. That's coming around the corner. You really just want to jump in. I did it, it right. Oh, did you hear that? Did you say corner? <laughs> nice. I said it right. <laughs> Nice. I saw that you were like holding it back a little bit, but yeah. we're in the presence of a songsmith. Yes. So oh, I'm not ashamed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I just like before we move on, I I felt this sort of overwhelming biological maternal like overflowing love when you were talking about that scene where they hug, and I and in my mind I was thinking. Well, of course, if Ilari was a zombie, I would go and hug her. Bites be damned. Like, I will turn yeah, yeah, for yeah. her because yeah, yeah. It's I can't. I wouldn't destroy her under any yeah. circumstances. Even if she was a blood sucking zombie. Yeah, I don't know. I'd keep her around. <laughs> In the back, no, you know what I mean? Like, it's sort of like, honestly, like, you know, I would like, be yeah, cautious. I guess so. Like, in Shaun of the Dead, oh, yeah, he keeps <laughs> his yeah. friend in the back, yeah, yeah, he keeps his buddy in the back, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, that you know, we're not, I mean, we're not yet talking about like, you know, the 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 remake or anything, but what you just said, Cheyennegans, about the um, you know, about kind of like still kind of like protecting your own and and even if they turn or whatever, you still want to be with them or whatever. There's the whole scene yeah. where the zombie baby is being born and, and the father is there and he's got the, you know, he's got the, he's got his wife kind of strapped to this bed or whatever, but like she's already turned. And uh, you know, one of the other characters in the movie comes in and wants to go shoot her. And he's actually just delivered the baby, which is now a zombie. And he's, standing there holding the baby and like willing to fight 
Yeah, he her, says, do you want to you want to kill my family? You want to kill my family? Yeah, yeah, yeah that was exactly. So it's, that was intense. yeah, right. Yeah, it yeah, was. It was I, I would feel very conflicted in that situation. Like that, if I yeah. had been that woman who walked in, I would have just turned around and walked out. Like I'm, I'm not. You got it under control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do, you do, you. <laughs> you. Yeah, whatever you got to do. Yeah, this. Yeah, right. This is none of my business. When Roger turns, right? When Roger yeah. turns, right? And, and, and Roger turns so slowly. Bromance. Yeah. 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 Roger and Peter. I yeah. really enjoyed that part of the movie. Oh, his little wheelbarrow. Yeah. It was so cute. Were, like, I know, I know. Shopping and they were bonding and I really enjoyed that. But then when, when Roger turns, Peter is the one that has to kill him and you can see yeah. that conflict in his face. He yeah. doesn't want to do it. Yeah. It had to be him though. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, there's that whole kind of like lead up to that where it's they've kind of they've secured the mall and they've gotten to this point where they're almost kind of like creating a little bit of a family dynamic, you know, even though like Roger's already been bitten, but they're still, you know, they're still keeping him around and keeping him involved in all the stuff that they're doing. Mm -hmm. And they're going on their little shopping sprees and stuff. And they're like almost kind of like this nesting kind of thing that they're all doing. And it's, it's kind of like a, this little kind of family between the four of them. And so it is super sad. Like when Roger has to be put down because it's like he, you know, and him saying that, like, you know, that whole scene where he's telling uh, Peter, like, I'm going to try not to, I'm going to try not to turn or whatever, like kind right, of just got right, me right. because it's like, you know, he's like, I don't want, you know, he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to not turn into, into one of them or whatever. But like, you know, they had just, they had gotten so kind of like close, the four of them by that point, you know? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Yeah. That's a really, but circling back to Cheyenne again, it's like the, the, the hug that happened between the husband and wife, and then he bit her and it looked like string cheese coming. Yeah. How, like how, how would we do something like that? You hire Tom Savini. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Well, he's cheap, apparently. <laughs> yeah, maybe in 1978. Does his own stunts. <laughs> I got some money on my Discover Okay, card. or you use your money to go to his school where he will train you in um, oh. the arts of String prosthetics. Cheese, and yeah, like... It's in Pennsylvania, I hear. Yeah, yeah, it is. In a mall? Yeah. And his alumni. Yeah, he's the master. Really, well. really? Who's his alumni? Yeah. His, his alumni is the guy that does Walking Dead. That's one of his yeah, alumni. Uh, Nicotero, yeah. Nicotero, yeah. Who does the new um, on HBO? The um, we watched one last night with the Wear Turtle. Oh, the new oh, creep show. Let's not. Let's yeah. Not. No, the new creep strike show. that from the podcast. We should not give them <laughs> any. <laughs> did you? Did the you Wear watch Tortoise. It? Thank yeah, you very much. Yeah, yeah. Wear Tortoise. Oh, you, you saw it. That. Yeah, listeners. <laughs> that was pretty bad. And I love the, the fucking werewolf. Uh, listeners, sorry to digress, but the werewolf at the yeah, end, yeah. Like the big muscle guy turns into like a werewolf yeah, yeah. you can get at like a Halloween store spirit <laughs> it's, yeah. literally, it's literally from spirit <laughs> like, what are you doing? well everybody's yeah. on a budget right now but it's there was two like big actors in that movie there's like a couple of yeah. big actors anyways yeah, sorry it was <laughs> super wacky what else about Tom Savini well, against so he's like the the godfather or whatever of practical effects um but he i think he was really good at um keeping the budget tight so he would source like pig guts from the local butcher 
um, to use in like a victim scene or a zombie oh, yeah. scene um, instead of like trying to fabricate something that looks like guts just yeah. guts yeah yeah yeah, yeah for sure you guts for i sure. can get you guts <laughs> You want guts? I'll get you guts. I can get you guts by two o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you want a toe? I'll so, get you a toe. Uh, With polish. Earlier, you said something about uh, said um, something about the the effects in in the original not being as realistic or believable as they mm -hmm. are in in the remake. But what I found interesting in my research about Tom Savini is that he was um, a military combat photographer yeah, in, Vietnam, yeah, yeah, in Vietnam, and so. Like so much of what he did with the practical and special effects and makeup is is pulled from that experience. Whoa. And he even talked it about fucked up. Yeah. Well, he talked about it being like a coping mechanism, Whoa. I guess, like as a kid, he was interested yeah. in, in that kind of makeup stuff. And so when he was over there to have like some distance or to remove himself from experiencing that trauma he would kind of break it down into like oh this is a this is a special effect like this is how i would do this wow which is crazy and he he said when he came back he had ptsd um and then he made a zombie movie but then yeah, yeah he smart. kind of like funneled all of that into into his his job and his livelihood oh, of like creating wow, all of this stuff that would make me watch the movie very differently i think I his remake of night of the living dead is terrible though i'm not no offense tom sabini <laughs> <laughs> it's awful <laughs> awful movie it's like a jack of i think one of, the, one of the things that he said about that was that like you know he had seen all of these things in real life he had seen all these horror you know horrific situations and if what they were filming in a movie didn't kind of give him the same, didn't hit him kind of in the same way, then they weren't doing it well enough and they needed mm. to do it better. Wow. Um, yeah, that's intense. Yeah. That's a lot of pig guts. Yeah. 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 It is. That's a lot of pig guts. Indeed. <laughs> so um, Savini has some regrets about um, the color um, and some of the effects from from a lot of his films, but from from this in particular, um, he didn't like the color of the blood, um, but Romero liked it because it had that comic book quality. Um, but he, mm -hmm. Savini thought it looked like melted crayons, but like it he wasn't the director. <laughs> yeah, he could have used melted crayons. I don't know, you can get them cheap. Yeah. Um, but so the makeup that he did, I think he was going for gray, but it on film, it looked blue. And, you know, prior to that, there were no like color iterations of zombies on film. And so it kind of, it just stands out like yeah. going from um, Night of the Living Dead <laughs> in black and white and seeing the zombies, you know, it's gray. And so that's yeah, kind yeah. of the, the natural first step is, oh, let's put some gray on them. But yeah, no. yeah, it was, it's definitely a big contrast, you know, not only going from black and white to color, but, you know, it kind of adds to a little bit of the kind of comic element of this whole movie. Like, for instance, like when they when they first get to the mall and they turn on the power to the mall and you see all of the zombies kind of, you know, they're the the music that turns on is this kind of comical yeah, music. Yeah. Like it totally ooh, doesn't fit. Yeah. You know, like weird <laughs> sound effects going on and stuff. And it's like this su super silly music playing. And all of these kind of like weird colored zombies all walking around, kind of bumping into each other and stuff and like kind of, you know, wandering onto the escalators and stuff like that. And it just presents it in a really like there's nothing scary about it kind of way. You know what I mean? It's it's like super comical and it's kind of like 
that's one of the kind of like funny and kind of fun and comic book type, you know, elements to the movie that kind of yeah. makes it its own thing for sure. Yeah, no, that's super interesting. Yeah. And, and actually that goes back to the whole race thing too, because Romero really portrayed the, the mall scenes with the upper middle class, middle class people, um, as happy and colorful and fun. And then took, you know, juxtapose that with what was happening in the public housing project. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. it was dark yeah, yeah. and dark blues and grays and purples, low and ceilings, low ceilings. Yeah. And everybody was scared and everybody was fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the cops were going crazy. The zombies were going crazy. Everybody was going crazy, you know. So it's yeah, yeah. Again, if that if that wasn't intentional, then like, <laughs> isn't that kind of how malls function, though? Yeah, you know, they bring a lot of different. Yeah, people mindlessly bumping into each other and <laughs> yeah, silly music playing. Yeah, it's I'm glad DeSoto Square is not around anymore because people would be pulling guns out. I, I think actually they did back then. <laughs> Pretty. Oh often. yeah, yeah. There was. <laughs> There was definitely, there was always kind of an element of that going yeah. on. Yeah. I remember my mom would just be so nervous. We go into that fucking arcade. She's like, well, don't go anywhere else, but in a Peruvian accent, <laughs> yeah, don't go anywhere else, but the arcade. Yeah. Going to the night I movies it, at though. DeSoto Square Mall and leaving like the mall at night. It's like sketchy as shit. I think yeah, you yeah, went yeah. to one once with me. Yeah. And that was like the movie. last time I was there when it was a dollar theater. Everything was sticky. And it was oh, and then yeah, you're yeah. walking the through time, the closed mall. Yeah, by the time it by the time, you know, the by the time the movies kind of turned into like a what they call like a second run theater or whatever, where it was like a dollar fifty or whatever it was, yeah. you know, it's it's basically the theaters where like the films have already been played at the at the first run theater and then they get broke down, like the reels get get uh, you know, um get cut up and then shipped off to these other like theaters that are called second run theaters, which is like, I used to work at a movie theater, which is why. Me too. Litchfield. I or, uh, no, I worked at Oak. Uh, no, Litchfield, whatever it was there by Winn-Dixie. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I worked at Oakmont. And so like, oh, yeah. we would occasionally, we would occasionally take like, uh, we would take, you know, movies that, that we had already run that we had already run from, you know, cause we were a first run theater and then we would take them over to like DeSoto that was a second run theater, which is why it was so much less to see a movie there. And they just, whoever was managing that place took so little care of it. It was like yeah. so horrible and everything was <laughs> disgusting and sticky. sticky and Remember they redid it. They, they got a bunch of money and they redid it. And what they, they got rid of was, you remember when we were kids and we'd go and around the ceiling, there was those huge old posters of like old yes. horror movie monsters, dude. Yes, yes, Wolfman, yes. Bela Lugosi, yeah, Dracula, all these classic fucking characters, universal monsters. And yeah. I really just, I, I, I wonder who got those or if they were just pitched in the dumpster. I would hate to think, I would hate to think that they just got thrown out. I would like to think that somebody's got them, you know, and yeah. up, up on their walls or something. So I had read 
that there was an alternate ending. Okay, so okay. the ending is Fran, our our Trepid. strong female lead. Right. Yeah, you can't see Cheyenne again. Is doing air quotes. Yeah. yeah air quotes. Um, so she makes it clear that um, she needs to advocate for herself by learning how to fly this helicopter so she can get out. And oh, yeah. Um, I forgot yeah. about that. So <laughs> montage. She learns how to fly the copter, and then um, everybody's dead except her and um, Peter. 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 Yeah. So they're Peter. gonna get out. Out, but then Peter decides that he's not going to get out. He's going to like go to the back room and shoot himself in the head. But then, <laughs> right. but then he all of a sudden like decides instead yeah. to like shoot the brother who comes through the back room and then like you know quickly crawl up the ladder. That somehow zombies know how to crawl up a yeah. ladder now. Sense. They can't <laughs> run, but they can. So yeah, and then yeah. he makes it into the helicopter, and presumably they they survive the two of them, and they find another place. But the alternate ending right. was billed as something different, in which one of them commits suicide by gunshot and the other one gets their head chopped off by a helicopter, which I guess would bring it back to that oh, first yeah. scene. <laughs> The sweater zombie. The sweater yeah, zombie. Which actually, I had read that <laughs> Savini <big> hired. <laughs> he I hired. The guy's head was like this big. No, but it <laughs> would have been even bigger. Like but three extra he knew of a guy he could hire who had a, a quote unquote low forehead so that the prosthetic would look more normal. <laughs> so to keep your budget low, you hire yeah, your low some, your They low hired forehead. some Cro-Magnon man. <laughs> um, but I don't know no what- No offense it, to any Cro-Magnons out there. Jeez, Nigel. That, I, that would have been kind of weird to have two like um, helicopter scenes chopping off your head. Nice. Yeah. I feel like that would have been kind of like overdoing too, that. Yeah, too obvious. Too obvious. Yeah. That yeah. specific. That specific kill. You know. Right. Right. But Although so I don't know. I had read that now. maybe Romero filmed that alternate ending, um, but I, I couldn't find if it if it actually had been. But also, I'm wondering about that ending. No, you can see it. It's on YouTube. Compared to the alternate ending of Night of the Living Dead. Yes. Mm, right. Right. Well, one thing I wanted to kind of point out before we kind of, you know, kind of wrap everything up or whatever, but like as the whole thing is kind of like starting to unravel and after uh, Roger dies and they, you know, and the, and the bikers kind of overtake the place, it's, it's like Peter is kind of the only one really making sensible decisions yeah. at that <laughs> point. You know what I mean? Because like. Uh, the reason why Roger died is because he started just spazzing out and kind of being, you know, overly kind of like, you know, confident about it and kind of going off the rails a little bit. And that's why he got bit. And that's why he, you know, ultimately dies or whatever. But then like the whole thing is, is like the, the bikers kind of break into the mall and overtake everything. And, you know, Peter's like, why don't we just why don't we just stay out of sight and let them kind of fight it out with the zombies and have the, you know, like let them deal with their own shit, which would have been the sensible thing to do because there's only three of them and like right. a fucking hundred of the bikers, you know? Yeah. But like the, but like the, you know, fucking Flyboy decided that he, he gets possessive about the mall and about the stuff that's in yeah, the mall. That didn't make any sense, man. <laughs> and goes, no, man, this is, you know, he's like, this is our stuff. This is our stuff. So he starts shooting at the bikers. And they could have easily just avoided being fucking even noticed by them. You know what I mean? If he yeah. hadn't started that. They were hiding in the walls. They were hiding in the walls. And essentially when he turned, when he ends up turning into a zombie, 
he leads them. He leads the whole oh. horde of zombies to the living quarters that they had, you know, right. so like, yeah. and they just found you know, built it, yeah. up. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, he was the one trying, he like, he was the one trying to make the right decisions and everything. And, you know, and, and like, it's all about the decisions that you make because, you know, the, the, the zombies essentially aren't really the biggest threat. It's other right. people, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And that's kind of like, because you can really, if you just play it right and you kind of like make the right decisions and stuff like that, you can kind of get away from the zombies. They're slow and they're stupid, you know, whatever. But it's like the people that come in, that, that's the real threat, you know? Yeah. And that's at the heart of like, um, you know, the w entire Walking Dead series is that kind of premise, you know, is that the zombies are this constant threat that are throughout this, like, they're always in the periphery. They're always in the yeah. background. They're always there. And then the real issue is like the humans. But, and that's hashtag like, yeah, yeah. 2020. Hashtag 2020. Yeah. <laughs> 2020. I don't like to walk downtown. I'm fucking looking everywhere all the time for somebody that's going to do me harm, like everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. No, but that's a really yeah. interesting point, man. And I think that, I think that really kind of ties into, or really kind of reiterates this idea of this in film and it's, entirety is that like yes there's there's probably three too many montages <laughs> you know like there is a couple of scenes you do without that, like the pie fight you know? yeah the pie oh, fight yeah. Yeah. i mean yeah. i kind of like it's memorable you know and probably the first 45 minutes of the biker scene too probably could go away you know <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, but yeah, although Savini shows up with his uh, switchblade mustache comb, you know, yeah. nice. And, and you know what's so funny about that is like he's in that vampire movie that Tarantino did. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, what is it called, Matt? Um, Dust till dawn. Dust till dawn. And he's got that uh, machine gun cod piece or whatever. It like flips up and it's like a machine gun in his oh, dick. Yeah. <laughs> his name is Machine Gun. Yeah, yeah. Like Subtle. <laughs> That was a good episode. We that tore that fun, shit down. Yeah, oh, the podcast. Thank you guys. I was like, <laughs> this one right here? Yeah. yeah. We didn't even, even get to, over yet. Yeah, we didn't even get to sing Scary Anna. But I, she I, never came around the corner. She was always here, you guys. I, I sang it. And go. She'll be coming around the corner when she comes scary Anna. She'll be coming around the corner when she comes scary Anna. She'll be coming around the corner and around the corner. Wait, there's she'll cheeseburgers in it. Oh, <laughs> lots of cheese. No, sorry, she'll... <laughs> sorry, bro. She'll... <laughs> she'll be reading all the literature and eating lots of cheeseburgers. Yeah. Books, books and burgers. burgers. Yeah. It was excellent, ladies. Thank you. <laughs> Nigel, I feel like that compliment was not awesome. No, I can't see her. I, I froze under pressure. No. Not you, authentic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had that remark, Matt, as a musician? Honestly, like has anybody ever said, Man, what, what, you didn't what, really give it your all tonight? <laughs> I mean, I've said that to myself plenty of times, but yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know that I've ever gotten that from else from Most else. people are too polite. Yeah, most people. Like and you're always your own worst yeah. critic. Yeah, yeah. Listeners, we're going to wrap it up because we're kind of just having a conversation now. And it's really <laughs> nice, but we want to get you. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to edit. Yeah. I will edit a lot I'm, of this out. I'm like Romero. I do. Yes, edit. I'm like Romero. <laughs> Bada -ba ching. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Bada -ba -ching. Hey, -o. hey -o. <laughs> Matt, thanks so much, man. Is Have Gun doing anything cool coming up? 
we are okay. So we just did the, we just kind of did a, this release here. And then, um, so we did a thing at Crowbar not too long ago. There's like a, uh, there's a whole kind of group of venues in the Tampa Bay area that are part of this. Um, it's called safe and sound hmm. kind of like they're, they're all trying to like, they're all trying to kind of like lead by example and go like, this is how we need to be doing things moving forward. Like that's good. People need to wear masks. We need to social distance. We need to kind of do things in, in this way or whatever. So we played one show, a crowbar that was, it was, it went really well. You know, everybody behaved themselves. Everybody was, was very respectful and stuff like that. And we have another one coming up at uh, Ella's in Tampa, which is on new year's day. So nice. it is that's a regular show for you guys. Going, You've always done playing. a new year. We do. Yeah, we do Ella's like every year on New Year's Day. So we're going to try to do it in a way where it's super limited capacity and just handled in the right way. So that's kind of what we got coming up. Matt, we really miss live music. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I do, too. I mean, it's it's crazy. And uh, I think, you know, I think eventually if everybody can just start start acting right we'll get following the rules yeah. Some point. <laughs> yeah it sounds yeah, so yeah. simple but it seems so simple we're so close it should yeah. be it should be thank you guys so much for having me uh for having me on as the first guest i uh yeah thanks I, matt i was yeah, really man. excited about it and it you're an obvious fun. choice because uh yeah. because you like film yeah and we Absolutely. uh i don't want to get too much on this we'll let matt go but like one of the, my happiest memories of my adult years in Bradenton was going over every Wednesday, right? It was every Wednesday. Yeah. Wednesday night, Wednesday night, night. Yeah, yeah, movie yeah. night to Matt's for a couple of years. Yeah. Grandma and like, you know, yeah. Watching movies. Good times. Yeah, man. That was an awesome time. I still, I still think about it and, uh, you know, wish we were still keeping that up. I don't think that, me and Matt really, we kind of got the raw deal on the situation because like, what are we going to like insist on a horror movie? Like if the girls don't want to watch a horror movie, it's like, <laughs> okay. So I think we watched like a couple too many, you know, like not horror movies. Like, like, <laughs> I don't remember that happening at all. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Love you, Matt. I miss you guys. Love you too. Miss you too, man. Miss you too. So that was an excellent episode, girls. Super fun. Yeah. We should have more guests. Well, the guests, we I think, keep us keep us in line. Keep us do they, from acting out. Do they? I felt restrained a little bit. Well, you guys were very professional, and I already have a next guest well, lined up. Assuming that we weren't professional before, Nigel? But you were exceptionally professional. Ex- exceptionally. Yeah. We were on our best behavior. We um, were. It's true. I did I did experience. So we want to get know, good ratings. You, you want to know the next? Yes. Tell us. Jen Clay is going to be. <gasps> no, horror. really? This horror movie. Oh, that's going to be so fun. <sighs> Jen Surprise. Clay, if you're listening. Surprise, Jen. Jen Clay, Miami. You're doing this. You're committed Miami now. style. You are committed now. <laughs> Matt Burke was the brave one. He did the first. Matt Burke did great. No, Matt was a, was a pleasure. He said so many things that I was going to say, and that is the sign of a truly excellent <laughs> guest. <laughs> yeah, indeed. But I you had it. some, uh, one of you all had some more points that you wanted to bring up after the fact. 
yeah i i wanted to talk about um the all the zombie characters that i really enjoyed in the in the the 1978 version i did think that in the 2004 version oh we didn't even talk about that with matt they lost that that aspect to it yeah they lost that like well because the zombies in the 2004 version were fast zombies and the ones in the 1978 version were slow and i personally enjoy the slow ones yeah more because you like um, a sense of character yeah yes mm-hmm. I, I but also the tension that's created that you can like walk through them if you're careful like you saw them in the mall they you know they would go traverse the mall the zombies were still there but they were careful how they did it they like zipped through them right and you it's, couldn't do that with the fast and zombies. it eliminates mm-hmm. a whole the fast zombies and i love fast zombies listeners as much as i love slow zombies i love them both you love all zombies um i'm not i'm not like even the biggest zombie fan like of zombie cinema but I, I i love i'm a vampire guy all the way i like vampire movies the sparkly ones too i don't know <laughs> no 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 anyways anyway i what i really enjoyed was all these little glimpses like this character building of the zombies like the the the, the nun zombie you know trying to get into the jc penny yeah like, like obviously maybe she had to return something before she died she had some unfinished business with the jc penny and then the nurse zombie we saw a lot of the nurse zombie towards the end but i saw her in the beginning too like she yeah popping up everywhere <laughs> yeah i think they were the lead zombies yeah and, but she was dressed like a nurse like a shift in the hospital nurse right old-fashioned type nurse mm-hmm. well, what was she doing in the mall like with, in her uniform yeah <laughs> like in her i think uniform. It, it had to do with did they set up this premise that they when they become a zombie they like rely on memory of so places why wasn't she haunting the hospital why did she go to the yeah. mall and in her yeah that's like, a good point. I, I don't know but then and then the hari krishna zombie i thought this was fascinating like hari krishna like like he looked he was like a hari krishna yeah that guy was blue. definitely looked like he was a hari krishna but he was blue uh, yeah right? yeah and yeah. then he was so determined to get fran like he was so resentless relentless do it again (laughs) he was so i'm gonna leave all that in relentless (laughs) he was so relentless right and she put like empty cardboard boxes in front of him and he just crashed right yeah yeah because she's a strong female (laughs) lead strong female lead right (laughs) exactly and he he still kept going and he was the zombie that figured out that you know how to get to the how to get he wandered yeah. down that hall like there was some he accidentally bumped into the he wanted to like recruit her for the Hare Krishnas I don't know yeah, they are doing. relentless they were re- yeah and then yeah. there was that little boy who was like I guess he died playing a baseball oh, game yeah. <laughs> he had his catcher's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. he was also at the mall got hit, maybe he got hit by a meteor like a <laughs> that that was just that was costuming um that was not a directorial How can we choice let the audience know that <laughs> yeah. this little boy plays baseball give him his mitt yeah that, that'll show him <laughs> That'll I just, show. I just love that. Like the in the in the remake in 2004, they were all just kind of raggedy zombies. But in the in the original, they, their clothes were pretty. Like they were fresh zombies. Like mm. they were they weren't raggedy. They weren't decomposing. They were blue, but they were all dressed like they were. Like there was a guy in a three piece suit. You know, like I really like looking at them and trying to figure out why they were at the mall and what their previous lives that right. And like they were all middle class. Apparently. How they interacted with each. Except for, you know, that last, you know, towards the end, the, the like 
African-American lady zombie who was like covered with gold jewelry. Like she looked like some, you know, African queen. Yeah. Right. And the bikers were tearing all the jewelry off of her. Oh, right. Yeah. Which yeah. didn't make any sense. Class. Why are the, what are they going to do with all those jewels? Like no, it means it, nothing. Flip the script, right? Like all of a sudden you were upset that they were attacking a zombie. Like, yeah, she was that's a zombie. true. She was blue. Okay. Yeah, but they're just, but she, they were <laughs> just, were like, he was distinctly. Right. This is, leave the zombie alone. Where it was like before you were like, yeah, kill the zombie, kill the mm, zombie. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's Isn't really that interesting. Yeah. But she seemed so helpless. Like yeah. she had all these bikers and she was a woman. But even that could be commentary too. Like he could Absolutely. be, you know, and it's not like his commentary is super like in depth like that. Maybe, what is the movie we watched last night? No, thinking I'm thinking of ending, of ending things. things. I'm thinking of ending. Like that movie was very, if there was something deeper going on, it was really fucking hidden deep, 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 <laughs> because I didn't pick you. up any of that shit. Because you slept through half of it. And I you didn't, did. I totally know the whole story. Like I know exactly what happened. <laughs> I didn't miss anything. But like we're like Romero isn't like being, he's like kind of trying to make a point 101. He's not really going in depth into the story. I mean, if you you look at it a little bit deeper you you see the race thing you see the um yeah. ethnicity thing the consumer thing is pretty obvious but that's almost like like it's not like he's going super in depth as my point is comparing the two yeah. movies mm -hmm. and the depth of what they're trying to communicate i don't think it was very intricately crafted some of the scenes felt to me like you know they were filming and they're like what should we stick in here let let's have a you know really wealthy african-american woman rip her jewelry off yeah let's do that because it was obvious because like the the mm -hmm. viewer would the viewer would get the reference really quickly and i think that was right. that was enough for them yeah and mm -hmm. I think that they were shooting on the fly. Like, yeah, yeah they, they were definitely just like, were. What would look good here? And mm -hmm. I remember one of the bikers sat down to do the his blood pressure in the middle <laughs> of the mall of fighting. Yeah, yeah. like three what times. Was that? Three and times. I, and I remember thinking, why the hell are we watching this? Yeah. And then eventually he <laughs> sat down again for the last time and his arm got ripped off. And I was like, oh, they wanted to do they wanted to do this this special they, effect they wanted to rip his arm off yeah so they, they, they did three takes up. and they kept all three takes in they the last take yeah. that this guy off. was concerned about his blood pressure and so and it, makes sense. That, it doesn't make any sense no. it makes no sense but i feel like that's how they filmed oh, the, the movie you know they were just like what what should we do next what would look yeah. good what would make sense all right listeners thank you so much for tuning in and thank you big thank you to matt burke from have gun will travel if you would like more information about have gun will travel please go to hgwtmusic.com and their facebook is also hgwt music if you want any more information about little house on the scary please go to little house on the scary at gmail.com you can email us and like holler at us and like if you have movie suggestions if you're totally awesome we want to do it. We will watch the movie that you want us to watch. So it's <laughs> like, a, it's a, that's the level, that's the bar that you have to meet people. So anyways, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, we're soon to have an Instagram account, but I manage too many Instagram Fancy. accounts. Yeah, we have to up, we have to up this shit because we had Matt Burke, that's Have right. Gun Will Travel. Yeah, he raised the bar. Yeah, he raised the bar. All right, we'll catch y'all later. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Adios. Bye.